The world is a beautiful but challenging place to live. And let's face it, life hits hard sometimes. So if you find your hopes and dreams and mental well-being needs a boost, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Welcome to Inspire Us with your host, Jay Paul Nadeau, a former hostage negotiator turned motivational speaker and acclaimed author of Take Control of Your Life. And now, here's your host, Jay Paul Nadeau. Hello, and welcome to episode 16 of Inspire Us. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Rachel Weinstock. Rachel Weinstock is a transformational coach and a speaker for preteens and teenagers who are struggling with being bullied, low self-esteem, chronic stress, and anxiety. She is the creator of Enough is Enough, Getting to the Heart of Bullying Prevention, and also Virtual Club for Preteens, an online program that helps young people to lower their anxiety through heightening their mindfulness and expressing themselves creatively. For 17 years, well, more than 17 years, Rachel has traveled the world teaching, speaking, and storytelling, and today she is on a mission to create a world where every child feels happy, confident, and safe to be the truest, most creative version of themselves. I absolutely enjoyed speaking with Rachel, and she has such a knowledge of what it's like to be bullied because she was bullied as a child. And those scars can last a very long time. Rachel decided to do something about it. And as you're going to experience in this podcast, there are signs that a child is being bullied. And there are things that we, as responsible adults, can do about bullying. And now, I'd like to introduce you to Rachel Weinstock. Hey, Rachel. Welcome to Inspire Us. Thanks for joining me. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you on. I was looking for people with stories to come on to my show and share their stories, their experiences, how they got through stuff and where they are right now. And your name was provided to me by a fellow by the name of Dan. And when I looked at your, your background and everything that you've been through, I thought, yeah, Rachel is a great fit for this show. You've gone through some stuff in your past and you've risen above it. Why don't you tell us what it was like to be Rachel as a child? You had a hard time. I definitely had a hard time. It was not easy. And I will, I will start this off by saying that I have such incredible parents. So I have a very loving family and luckily that was not the issue in terms of my growing up. But the main part of my story starts out at six years old and, you know, I'm in, I'm in grade one and uh, there was a girl that her family was going through a divorce and she, you know, I was kind of friends with the group, but she decided to put her pain on me. And of course she didn't have that language as a child, but she targeted me and said that nobody in the grade was allowed to play with me. And so we had, uh, I was in a private school, but we had three three classes, I think. And so everybody listened and nobody played with me and they made a spy club against me. So it was kind of like, not only did I have no friends and I had to walk around alone, but then they watched how I reacted with my shame. And so I would hide behind this wall that the boys would play handball against. And that's, that's in my viral speech that I talk about that. And that was really the first time. And yeah, I mean, I was just breaking down and crying all the time. And, and the point where my mom was like, okay, we really need to fix this was when I said like, I, I don't want to live anymore. And I was six. So eventually she forgave me, forgave me in quotes, because I didn't do anything. She just, she just uh, had decided to forgive me and uh, not do that anymore. And so kids were allowed to play with me, but that kind of set up as, as you know, and I think many people, this experience of being a victim and being disempowered. So not that I consciously ever wanted to draw any more of those horrible experiences of isolation and, um, you know, emotional abuse to me, but for pretty much the remainder of my life until high school, that's kind of the pattern that was set up. 
So I went through, you know, a couple of years, as I say, of my like off years of like, I did, I wasn't bullied in those years, but in those years, because I had internalized and just expanded on the abuse that I was hearing, I still was in a lot of pain and suffering. And eventually in grade six, no grade seven, I'm sorry. One of the boys turned against me in that grade. And unfortunately we were in uh, carpool together. My mom, my mom was very sick when I was, when I was that age, she was in the hospital and she had almost died. So she'd just come out of the ICU and she was very weak and she was dependent on this carpool to, to drive. And so I would be essentially trapped in this, this car with adults driving the car and, and this boy and his friend and everybody witnessing him just being horrible to me. And it's interesting because my mom did try and stop it, but she wasn't able to, and she was weak at the time physically as well. But there was one parent um, and it was one of the boys and she just one time said, that's enough. And they stopped and she really meant it. And that uh, memory came up a, a week ago, actually, really strongly in, in the work that I'm doing uh, with a beliefs coach. She, I, I, she's, it's basically like therapy, but we're kind of going back in time and looking at these memories. And that memory came up so strongly. And I was like, wow, in all the years that this had happened to me, she was the only one that ever effectively stopped what happened to me. And so I felt this really strong impulse to reach out and find her. So I looked up the son. I only remembered the son's name. I didn't remember her name. And uh, he actually happened to be a dentist now. And so I found the family practice and I asked my best friend because I'm, I'm very expressive, but sometimes we kind of like on an impulse, we'll do something and it's not the best way to handle it. So I, you know, I thought, should I call this dentist and be like, I just want to tell you that your mother, like, you know, help me in, in grade seven. And then I was like, my best friend's like, no, 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 Rachel, let's edit so essentially, we ended up sending uh, a message to the secretary that passed it on to this this um, man. Now, I guess, you know, in my mind, he's still a boy. But right. and he, I just said, you know, your mom had done something really profound for me, uh, you know, when I was growing up. And I and I'd love to be able to thank her. And the interesting thing was my intuition before I tried to find him was, oh, my gosh, it's so many years later. Like, what if she'd passed away? Right. Sadly, she had. And so she, so he messaged me and he said, my mom has just passed away a year and a half ago. So, you know, I read this email and I was like crying, you know, it was just so sad. And I said, but I'd love to be able to thank you. And I'd love to be able to share what she did. So we got on the phone and, you know, he said he didn't have many memories of like what had happened, but he imagined if it was from the carpool that she had she had stopped what was happening to me. And I said, yeah, she was actually the only one, the only adult out of all the years to effectively stop what had happened. And there were other adults that witnessed this. And so I just wanted to thank her because she she gave me hope that there's possibility of like, when you put that true kind of like core, like, no, this is not okay, that it can stop, that abuse can stop, but you need people to do that, to hold that space. So anyways, it was pretty amazing to, you know, and I explained to him that my work now is I'm an elementary school teacher and I do bullying prevention. So my whole life is dedicated towards this work. And he thanked me for doing this work because he's a dad now. He has three kids. So it it was a beautiful exchange. Bullying is such a huge problem and can lead to so much sorrow and sadness and uh, eventually for some to uh, taking their own lives. So it is an issue that we really need to deal with in a child's formative years to tell them it's, it's wrong for people to bully, number one. And when you are bullied, it is important for you to share that information. You did that at six years of age. You told your mom and your dad that mm-hmm. you had been bullied. That mm-hmm. took a lot of courage. A lot. Of, I don't. And you, you are the expert. You can answer me this question. Mm-hmm. Do a lot of children go to their parents when they're being bullied and disclose to their parents that this is happening? Or do they keep it to themselves? That's such a good question. Um, I think it's mixed. I think if it's happening when it's in in younger years, like kindergarten, grade one, grade two, like kids will say, they will express. It depends on the relationship that the child has with the adult. So if it's a very safe and supportive space where communication is kept open, yes, they definitely will. And and you'll pick up signs. Like you'll be like, 
why is my child like crying all the time? Why are they like, you know, disengaging in certain things or not commute? Like there's definitely signs that this is happening, but you have to be tuned in. And that's, and that's part of the thing too, is that the way that you establish a relationship with children is, is so vital. And I think sometimes adults think that they have to kind of leave themselves out of things because they're an adult and it's a child. So like not to show as much vulnerability or not to express certain things. And obviously it's within like a level of what the kids can handle, but the more that you can bring yourself in, you know, if, and, and believe them. That's the other thing, Paul, is like the believing them is so important. So if a child comes to you and says like, you know, at school, this person bullied me, you know, and, and it could be just a one-off and they could be using that terminology of bullying to take them seriously. Like, you know, I remember witnessing in a kindergarten class, like many, many years ago before I was a teacher, but I was a volunteer. And one of the kids, there was, there was one child in, in this class and another child at, before the circle time had taken his shoelaces and he was bawling. Like, you know, he went to, to put on his shoes and he was like hysterically crying that he could not find his shoelaces. And so the teacher handled it so beautifully because she, you know, as an adult, from adult eyes, we're just like, whatever, it's your shoelaces. Someone's like playing a prank on you. It's not a big deal. But if someone stole your car, like you would have an issue with that. If someone like took your cell phone and like threw it in the garbage, you'd have an issue. So kind of like being able to see through child eyes, like it's just as valuable for you. Um, so this teacher actually had a whole conversation with the class and took it really seriously. Um, and the shoelaces were turned and we, we did like resolution over it. So I think the thing is that Believing your child is really important. Having regular conversations with them is so important. I was saying this morning in a session where, where I'm uh, working with a family and I was saying that we should make a techno song of like asking, you know, you know, when you ask a child like how their day was and they're like, good. And it's like, and the parents are like, so how are you? They're like, good. Like we could make a total, total like techno version of that song of that experience of the parents saying, how was your day? It's go fine. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, you know, that's it. Yeah. So I think this is like any parent that's listening to this is probably universal, but then like, you know, I'm all about pattern interrupto. Like, so if I say like, how was, how was your day? And someone says, good. I'm like, awesome. Did you stare at the wall? Did you just eat macaroni all day? Like kind of inserting some playfulness to kind of interrupt and get more information and allow them to know, Hey, you're building a safe space so that when they come to you with like something really serious, you've already established that foundation of trust and you've earned their respect. We actually need to think about as adults, your job is to earn a child's respect. It is not automatically given. Like you have to earn it. And so how do you do that? By listening to them, by believing them, by supporting them, by listening to their boundaries, by trusting them. Like all of those things allow a human being, which is just a smaller human being to trust you. So yeah, the long answer in my tangent is I think some kids do if they have that uh, like established relationship and they're believed about things and trusted and, and they have that relationship. But sometimes kids, if there's things happening in the home, like if a family member is really sick and they don't want to put more on the family member, they don't want to tell them about what's happening, then they won't maybe, right. you know, right. depending on again, how that openness is around that experience. So kids do try and protect their parents. They have shame around like, why are they being targeted? So there's, there, it's complicated. Yeah. You've touched on a lot of, uh, a lot of points. That's right. There could be some reluctance for many different reasons, including shame, including not wanting to involve your, your parents because they're going through enough. Why would I dump on, on them at the moment? So yeah, there's a lot of things. You also talked about the importance of awareness. Your child's behavior may be different and what is causing that difference. It's a matter of taking a few moments out to really examine what is different in your child's life. Absolutely. And, and that, that question, how, you know, how was your day today is a closed ended question. Yes. You answer that with good or bad. That's it. As opposed to asking an open ended question. What was the greatest thing about your day today? Mm -hmm. which allows for more communication. Yeah. It's all right to say, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing good. And yeah. then follow that up with you know, an open-ended question. Yeah. What was it about today that made it special? Or yeah. what was it today that made it bad? Yeah. And I think that that communication is, is so imperative. And you're right about building the relationship with the child. It yeah. doesn't, it's not something that's given to you automatically. No. It, 
it's like any relationship. Yeah, just a, a, a tinier human being that needs to be respected and treated to gain respect, of course. Your incident back when you were six years of age and you disclosed it to your parents, there were other times where you were bullied. This yeah. eventually led you to be very passionate about anti-bullying and you've become a coach and a speaker to teens and, and preteens uh, who are struggling with being bullied and low self-esteem. How mm -hmm. did that all come about? What? Uh, let me ask you this. At yeah. what stage in your life did you feel this calling? And what did you do about it? What voice led you there? Yeah. Um, well, and I'll say this. I know that, you know, I'm, I'm mainly focusing on preteens and teens, but I'm working with families that also have younger kids that are like seven, eight, like, you know, and there's, and there's multiple things. They're being bullied. They're, they have anxiety. They're depressed. They're being left out of friend groups. There's so many things happening emotionally. And yeah. So in terms of like me, when I was a child, the thing that I kept saying to myself was, why don't the adults know what they're doing? Like, why don't they know what they're doing? And I, and I had, I still have like, you know, I'm working through that anger around that. And I know that I understand now from an adult perspective, people were just doing the best they could. People were raised by people that didn't know how to do this. People were educated in education, not knowing how to do this, not, not being tuned into understanding this. But from a child perspective, I had rage because I felt like, like, adults are entrusted to take care of us, you know, and you can't physically see as clearly the impact of emotional abuse, but it's there. And, and sometimes I wish you could, because then, you know, we would, we would, if we saw a kid like covered in blood, you know, at school, we'd be like, oh my God, this is an emergency. Like we would take it seriously. But if we just see a kid, you know, being called like some awful names and they're sad and they're crying, it's easier to brush it off, you know, because we can't see the physical, if we're not tuned into that, I'm so tuned into that, but like many people because of their own trauma, because their own experience or not tuning into that, don't understand how serious that impact is. So as a child, I, I just kept saying to myself, like, why don't the adults know how to protect me? Like, why, why is this not a safe space? And I could see that, <laughs> I could see that nothing was happening. I mean, my parents really tried. So like I said, they, they had their own experiences growing up, going through what they went through. And I could feel that in this area, they didn't know what to do. And that, that was so hard for me as a child to know. Like, I keep feeling like, you know, one of those like lion dens or kind of like a ring where it was like, I don't know the the name of it, but like gladiator fighters, you know, when they send yes, you a yeah, thing, yeah. that's what I felt like as a child. So I felt like I was like six being like, not per like I had no protection. I was completely vulnerable. And I'm in a ring with people that are way bigger than me, way stronger than me. And the adults are like, well, we don't know what to do. So we'll just push you back in, which was to school. And so I was like, I don't know how to protect myself. So I kept kind of like going into that energy of the victim. And I just remember looking up the stars. I don't know how old I was. It probably happened multiple times where I was like, I am going to survive this. I am not going to kill myself. I'm going to grow up and I'm going to use all this pain to turn it into my purpose and be that teacher. I'm going to be that adult. I'm going to be that voice for these kids. And I mean, if I had my wish, like my biggest, one of my biggest wishes in the world would be that no child would have to experience that level of trauma and that the adults that I'd be able to train all the adults, like how, how to kind of like create these brave and safe spaces. So it was that determination of like, I felt like I just had to survive it to do something that would change hopefully as many things as I could for in the world, like for other kids, that that was my whole goal. And I have been doing that work and, you know, internally it's never enough. And you probably understand this feeling because there's just, you know, so many people that you can't reach, but you know, I, I have been, my, my goal is to reach as many kids as I can and as many families as I can and right. educators. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, and you're doing a great job of doing that. You you've got a few venues that people go to, you're giving these coaching sessions and you touched on on a really uh, an image that stuck with me during your conversation. It was you know being that child and wondering when the parents are going to save you, and yet they don't know how to. So yeah. they send you back into the arena, yeah. and and then you choose to put on the cloak of an invisibility and hide behind a wall. And that's such a powerful image in my mind, because I'm certain that a lot of children are experiencing that right now. And if we could reach out to the parents or mm -hmm. to adults right now, what would we tell them to be looking for in their children? Or what would you be encouraging? 
somebody to do with their children? Yeah. So, um, and it's interesting because with with my recent viral video, one one person reached out to me and said, "I'm crying because I'm watching this video, and your wall is my my child's um, bush that they're hiding behind at school." So it was like, you know, it's transferable. Um, I would say that the most important thing to do is, <laughs> well, I always have this image. So I won't. I like if I know a child's being bullied at school, I won't give up. So we talk about that in my family is like a terrier, like a, a terrier, like a dog that has like that, you know, cloth that won't like it's just like tugging yeah. it. Yeah. I am so determined. So, you know, I think like sometimes, unfortunately, or maybe many times you're a teacher, you have so much going on and a child comes to me and says, it comes to a person and says like, you know, a teacher and says I'm being bullied and they're like, okay, well, sweetie, just ignore it, you know, and then they just push them out to recess. And it's like, that child is then left with thinking like, I'm, my feelings don't matter and I'm not helped and I can't trust this adult to go back to them. And I just have to like, you know, and oftentimes what happens in those experiences with parents, with educators, um, children's, and you know this too, I'm sure children will just shut down and not speak again. Mm -hmm. They'll stop trying to speak. So I tried to speak many times and eventually I stopped. So by high school, when this was happening, that was like, horrific what I went through in high school. I mean, each part wasn't great, but like high school was like very, very awful. Um, I, I no longer went to the principal. I no longer went to the teachers. So I just like, I just internalized it and got like, you know, into like being pretty abusive to myself. So, and then being sad and depressed and it coming out at home where I'm fighting with my sister, I'm having these emotional outbursts. So yeah, I think that I'm, I'm, I lost track of your question. I'm so sorry. Can you repeat? No, no, I was, yeah. <laughs> I'm really enjoying what you're saying because yeah, yeah it, it's giving me another glimpse into your your life a little later on. What I was asking was, what can we encourage parents at yeah. this stage to do right. to open that dialogue of communication and to become more aware of their children's behavior or even as a, as a teacher, what mm -hmm. is it that adults, responsible yes. adults ought to be yes. doing now? I love that responsible adults. I love that, Paul, because you know what? That is okay. So what I would say is this. If your child comes to you or your student comes to you and says, I'm being bullied, even if your immediate response is like, this is not an issue, this is not a big deal, to like put that on a shelf, that adult kind of like way of seeing things through that perspective and really get present and ask questions. Well, what's happening to you, sweetheart? Like what's going on? And, and make sure that your tone is very like gentle and supportive and you stop whatever you're doing. If you are cooking like a lasagna or whatever, put the oven on pause, make sure it's safe. And then really like also one thing I talk about is so important is the physical difference between somebody. So if you if you're talking to a child that's quite tiny, like they're small, get on their level right away. Cause eye level is so important. You know, you know, all these things, I, I know, <laughs> but, but people don't, they like tower over kids. So immediately there's a power imbalance. You want the kid to feel, this is the main thing I want adults to think about. You want the kid to feel like you are on their team. They are not alone. You're on their team. You've got their back even if you don't know the answers. Now, and that's the thing when I was talking about when I kind of got lost with my tangent, the other tangent, which are all important things, I just, that's the way my brain works, is the terrier cloth, like the terrier with the cloth, right? Do not let go of that cloth. Do not let go. And, and the thing is, it might be, it might take years. And I'm gonna tell you a story after this about an incredible thing that's happening with one of the kids that I'm working with. But, so remind me about that if I forget. I but, but it's that same thing. So if you, so you might not know the answers, you might've gone through bullying as a child, okay? So the point is that you keep reaching out. The same thing you want a kid to do is like, if a child is going through, and bullying really is abuse. So if a child is being abused at school through bullying and you wanna encourage them to keep talking. So I'll say to kids, like if I'm not at their school, if they're in a different country, which happened you know, the other day, and they're telling me about this awful experience where a principal actually said, well, that's not a big deal, that's nothing. And it's a huge deal and it's impacting this child's life. I said, look with your eyes and look for another adult. Look for another adult and keep talking until you find an adult that understands. You know, you have to like, you know, tap into your intuition and see who's an adult you can trust. It drives me crazy and enrages me that there should be 
that the child has to look for a safe person in school because every adult should be a safe person. They should not have to think about who's a safe person. But because of the way that the system is still set up, they have to look for that person. And unfortunately, you get the door slammed in your face of like, that's not a big deal. This is not an issue. So really as an adult, as a responsible adult, as a caring adult, most adults want to do something, but they give up and they push them back into that gladiator arena where the child is completely vulnerable. You would not do that to a child. You would not send them into that without like anything to protect themselves. So you want to just take that stance of like, I've got your back, this is a team, let's do some research. Who are people that we can reach out to? And, and the other thing that is crucial and the most effective thing that I work with all the time is to role play. Don't just talk about the situation. Get into the actual experience and as a muscle memory of like how to move through those things like over and over and over again, so that when they are confronted with these things in real life, they have more tools that they can use and, and be resourced to say, I'm not comfortable with you hitting my head. Here's, here's my cat. If oh, I can see wanted. your cat. Yeah. yeah. She wants <laughs> in on the screen time too. Of course she go. does. Of course she does. <laughs> Yeah. So role-playing is huge. And, and also I role-play from different ways. So you ask the, the child, like, do you want to take, be yourself in the role-play and I'll be the other person. So let's say the other person said to the child, I mean, the usuals, there's many usuals of this, like, you know, awful dictionary that kids pull from, but it's like, you're ugly, you're fat, you're stupid, a racist term, like you're poor, you're got ugly hair, whatever. So get exactly what, ask the child to say, could you repeat what this person said to you? Like you're, you're ugly. We'll go with that. Cause that's a, that's a really quote unquote good one. So you're ugly and get the tone and come at them with right. the same tone, but right. then practice what they want to say. Like, don't speak to me like that. What you're saying is ugly and get them to like role play over and over so that they have more support internally in themselves and know that they know what to say, basically. Yeah. I think, I think that's so important. No matter what kind of work you're in, I teach negotiations with people uh, or how to deal with conflict and role playing is an essential part of what I teach. Get into the practice of doing it so that you're not confronted with something that you don't have an answer for or a reaction for. And what you described is really, truly having your child's back. It's like any important relationship in your life. You have your partner's back. You have your child's back. You have to make them aware that you have it. They have to know that you have it and recognize that you're always available for them. Yes. Other than the, the dialogue skills that you've provided or that you provide some of your clients with your, the children, what are other skills that you can tell the child to help to, I guess, soften the blow? They have to believe in themselves. They have yeah. to believe that their value. And I'm yeah. sure that that's part of your curriculum is to teach the child of their value and their role and their strengths. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go back to the story that I wanted to share with you. Let's do um, that. And it's a profound story. I mean, and it's it's turned around in a very short amount of time in terms of uh, what's been happening. So I, um, one of the Facebook groups I'm part of is a, a bullying and I'll have, I don't remember the exact name because I'm part of a bunch of them. So I'll send it to you after if anyone's interested, but it's a person that runs this bullying prevention site and on Facebook. And he posted a, it was just heartbreaking, but I, I mean, I've seen these stories all the time, but every time I will never be not impacted by these kinds of things. So it was a little boy and he's of mixed race. He's half black, half white, and he lives in an area that it is not diverse. So about two hours from, from the city where I am. And the picture was, it was, it was a post, two pictures. One is him smiling and side by side from that photo is him curled up in a fetal position on the couch. And in it, it's talking about that he has been bullied for five years. The school was aware the, you know, like everybody was aware what was happening and things were not changing for him. So he was basically talking about he's 12. He didn't want to live. He was just bawling in this fetal position, not wanting to live. The grandma had posted this on Facebook. The mother had posted this. And then all of a sudden they had like a massive movement of I support Parker. I'm behind him. So there was like hundreds and hundreds of messages to him. So I thought like, this is so wonderful that people are carrying online because he's in this toxic environment at school, but um, it's not enough. 
because when you go through this kind of trauma, uh, your story about yourself, how you see things, like the impact of that trauma is so deep and so profound. Um, and he had been going through it for five years already. So I reached out to the mom and I said, I would love to see if Parker wants to join our preteen group. And our preteen group, so the group that I run online, I've been running groups for kids since, since quarantine, like COVID started. And the group is really about, it's for any child, but it's for, you know, preteens and teens that um, specifically that might be struggling with mental health or anxiety or been bullied, like things like that. But it's really for anybody. And in that group, we laugh, we dance, we do improv acting. We do, I'm obsessed with Mad Libs and so are they. So like anybody who doesn't know what Mad Libs are, you should check it out. But like it's filling in a story for the adjectives and the noun and making up a new funny story. So there, we, I actually ordered the book. We have a massive book we go through, but we have deep conversations. We, we do check-ins. The kids share all sorts of things. We had a child who came out as trans because they trusted us like so much that they said like they didn't think they could do it until they were 21 and they were quite young and came out because of the partly because of the big support that the group has and they heal each other in real time so the kids will say well you know the other day one of the kids said somebody called me fat and I and I will say well that is horrible like how do you feel about that we'll talk about that and then I'll ask for feedback from the other kids and so kids will step up and say you are such a beautiful human being I can't believe anybody would do that and they'll give what the child needed at the moment in real time so then that child was crying and saying like I can't believe this because I never heard that at the time and it's and it's helped my heart so they're like healing before that wound sets in for like 25, 30 years of like thinking that they're fat, thinking they're ugly because they're having the community heal them in real time, which is different than the typical structure of therapy. Like I really encourage them to be a support system for themselves. And I'm curating that experience so that everybody is kind in this group. Like, like that is, that is my expectation. And it's the way I teach as well is my expectation is you're going to be the best version. It doesn't mean that people won't make bad choices or things like that, but it's not a continued abuse. It's not, um, you know, it's like we're learning as a community from that. So this child, I got on the phone with him and I said, I, what when I was very open with him and vulnerable. And that's another thing that adults can do to like a certain degree. And I just said, I went through many, many years of being bullied. I know how it feels. I know how it feels not to want to live. And I think our group would have so much to contribute to you and that you'd be so welcomed, like as soon as you came in. So he asked me, he said, was it, were you bullied because we were on the phone? He couldn't see me about, you know, things around, like, what were you bullied about? And I imagined he was asking me, like, were people saying racist things to you? And I said, uh, they weren't saying the same things to me that they were saying to you, um, but the poison is the same. You know, they were calling me ugly. And that was so hard for me to hear. And for, for years, even when my, my video went viral, that's something that I didn't feel comfortable saying, oh, I was called ugly. And that was like within a year ago, because because it was scared. Well, what if I put that out? And then someone starts like attacking me for that. You know, and now I've been doing more of my work on my own healing and it's easier for me to talk about it. But telling him really gained his trust of like, okay, she's telling me something. She's an adult, she's 41 and she's expressing to me and I'm 12, but we understand that same language of abuse. So he came into the program. And in that time, there's a huge kind of like campaign going, I support Parker online. And uh, somebody heard about it who was an adult that was a barber and went over to his house um, in his backyard and did an awesome, he's like, I'm a barber. I don't have really anything I can help you with, but I'd love to give you a nice haircut. So he did this beautiful fade. And then Parker came on and told us, look at my fade. I'm so excited. And I was like, you know, we're all cheering Parker. Like, this is so profound. Like the worst thing that happened, which by the way, his mother and grandma asked his permission, which was so amazing. Can I post this? And he had the choice. No, I don't. I don't want you to post this or yes, I do. Because if he posted it and he said, I'm scared. What if people are not nice to me again? But he took this leap of faith and his whole life changed. So he got this, this barber haircut, you know, that was so awesome. And then he's just changed profoundly in the group. So he's been sharing about how he wants to help homeless people. He literally has a heart of gold and he's so aware. And then last week there was someone that came in that their friend is being bullied. So he was able to be a support system and say what, oh. what, you know, it was amazing. But now what happened was somebody on uh, the Blue Jays, I'm not, I'm not a big sports fan, but a major league Blue Jay player 
heard about this. They came and they went to his house. They had like a meet and greet, made a jersey for him that says his name and his age and on like a professional like shirt. And then said, you know, I also went through the same thing of being called racist um, terms and I'm going to be a mentor for you. And here's my phone number and we're going to talk at least every two weeks. So the mom sent me this message. Parker sent me this message. But then they said that now the school board is doing a, a race anti-racism, uh, like now finally they're, they're taking action and they're doing a video and they were interviewing him. And the people that were interviewing him said, well, how have you been like healing from this awful experience? And he said, and it made me cry. I got so emotional. We met this incredible woman with like the biggest heart ever. And she has this group and it's helped heal. And, oh. she, and the mom said that like, I'm a huge part of his healing journey that these kids and, and Parker being part of this has changed his life. So for me, it was like amazing. And also it's emotional because nobody ever did that for me. So right. I'm able to stop. He's had five years of this abuse, but I'm able to stop this and redirect his life. And now he's helping other kids and he's like, you know, growing in his confidence in his like, just like his golden heart is like shining out into the world. And it's just like, it's the best work I could ever be doing in this world. That's amazing. What a great story and validation for what you're doing. You connected with that boy and he was able to change things around. And it's amazing once we do feel like we are seen, that we are accepted and that we are worthy how much that can build in each and every one of us. And we can then have the wings to fly to wherever we want because we're no longer invisible to people or we're no longer the victim all the time. There's other people around us that love us and that care for us and that support us and encourage us. We all need that. I want to switch it over a little bit because you, you said something a little bit earlier on and I wrote it down. When you were first bullied at the age of six you mm -hmm. said that the uh, the girl that bullied you put yeah. her pain on you yeah. and and I think a lot of people don't understand bullying where the bullier comes from yes so let's talk about the bullier not all of them are bad people I know yeah. but why don't you talk about the bullier their behavior and what we can do for them yeah, I have a lot to say about that, you know, and, and, and looking at the work that you've done, like, I really relate to you, the way you're talking about, you know, dealing with people like that are terrorists, potentially, um, and, and really looking for the humanity. I always say to the kids, the kids love playing, you know, kids love playing good guy, bad guy, it's always a guy too. Um, but it's good guy, bad guy. So already, I'm like, let's like, think about gender neutral, or like, you know, <laughs> women are like, you know, but just but playing with language because that has an impact on what's happening psychologically with people. Sure. But I always say that I don't believe there's a good guy, bad guy. I believe there's people that have been really hurt and have really hard lives and make some bad choices or there's something wrong with their thinking, you know, and, and I use it in those terms. But like, you know, mental health or they they have some kind of like, you know, way of thinking that is is not um, healthy. So I want them to think about that because it's easy to kind of put somebody in a category and say, that's a bad guy. He's a bully and not see the humanity. But I'm all about, you know, I, I use like this image in my mind of like, I'm holding up a mirror and this is not a beautiful mirror. This is not a picture that you want to be seeing of your humanity, but they don't see. I don't eat meat and I'm not against it. I, I'm against the way we treat animals. But I often think if we saw like the majority of the public, if we saw what we did to animals, we would not be able to eat meat probably. Mm -hmm. So looking at the horrible ways that we treat people and getting that reflection. So as a teacher and as, an, as a person that works with kids as a coach and all the work I do, I really build up that trust. Kids, kids, like if you, if you went to see me at a school, like now, not, not when I was a child, but now I'm like one of the most popular people. I literally have like group hugs from like hundreds of kids sometimes that I'm like almost knocked over. So I really have gained their respect, gained their love, gained their trust. And um, so when I do see them, you know, acting horribly, you know, acting kind of away from their humanity, I will hold up that mirror and I, and I will make sure that they see what they've done. So a lot of the time, um, in terms of the bully, like I knew as a child that this girl was going through that. I knew it. But I, at six years old, didn't have my like 41-year-old brain and experience to say like, 
I know that you're going through a divorce and like, but I could feel it energetically. I'm like, I know you're going through a divorce. I know you're taking this out on me. Right. And also like we actually, her and I connected, uh, you know, through the magic of Facebook and had like an exchange. And she actually said, it was interesting. She didn't remember everything she had done to me. Right. So like the, the trauma stays with the person that has been impacted with it. She didn't remember a lot of it, but she did remember some of it. And she said, you know, I'm so sorry because I wasn't supported at the time. And I know I took my pain out on you. So she had that understanding like as an adult, but the more conversations we have with kids, they actually have that language and ability to understand those things. Once we speak to them about it, it's kind of like this like key and a door and it opens up this space for them. So um, I think that Definitely, if you're an educator or an adult, using language like a child is manipulative or a child is uh, horrible or awful, that's that's not helpful. Getting really curious, again, getting on their level and seeing um, like their eye level, like so sitting on a chair, if they're really tall, both of you sitting on like an area where you're where you're level and just saying, hey, I'm curious to know what happened. I, I saw that you were saying saying things that were not kind to that person. And then again, getting into that energy of like that dog of like holding onto that cloth, like really solid, like in myself. So my external is like very nice. I feel like we have similarities in this. Like my external is very nice and calm. And I talk about my secret sauce is this. I learned this over the years. So this is a great strategy. I will say to kids, because at first I would say, you know, when I see one kid comes to me crying, saying like, you know, he hurt my feelings, he did this. And I'll say, okay, guys, come here. My teacher name is Miss Rainbow Fair. I'm like, Miss Rainbow Fair wants to talk to you and we'll all sit down on the chairs. Well, there was a lot of resistance from the kid that had done the bad, quote unquote, bad thing. So I decided I was going to have to like win them over and kind of um, make kind of their nervous system calmer so that they're open to this conversation. So I say it in a very neutral tone, very loving tone. Sweetie, uh, I just want to talk to you. You're not in trouble. You're not in trouble. I just want to talk to you. Inside, I'm like, you are in trouble. But <laughs> outside, I'm like very calm and I get very curious. So I'll I'll start with the kid that was impacted usually. And I'll say like, well, what, what happened? And he'll say, well, this person stole my toy and he's been doing it every single day. And I'll say, wow, that must be really hard for you. You know, he's sobbing. It's so hard for me. I hate it. I love my toy so much. It's my best Iron Man and whatever. I'm like, wow, that's so sad. And then I also insist that they have eye contact. So they're looking at each other while they're having this conversation. And then I'll turn to the other kid, you know, and they're kind of squirming, trying to get out of it. And I'll say, so I heard that. I'm, I'm wondering why you did that. And, and the, they might say, well, I didn't do that, whatever. And I'll keep going. We'll get information. And eventually it comes out, maybe this child made fun of their sandwich at lunch, you know, is like a stinky sandwich or something. And I'll say, oh, that must have been really hard for you to hear that. Were you really upset about this? Yes. And then I started like taking his toy because I was mad from last year. Like, oh, interesting information. Thank you for sharing that. Go back to the other child. Do you remember saying he had a stinky sandwich? And then we kind of unpack it. Honestly, Paul, usually these conversations, they've been built up for years. Last five minutes, the kids like skip off holding hands, almost always. Mm. Wow, what a great technique and tactic to use. It really is getting past the tip of the iceberg because we always only see the tip of the iceberg, what lies beneath the water. There's so much more that needs to be addressed. And I think that that's true in any relationship. We usually respond, well, no, let me rephrase that. We don't usually, we sometimes respond because of a past experience, something that is unresolved, and that brings out a particular piece of conversation that's probably not the best, and we lose our humanity for a bit. And it really is important to get into why that happened. And I, I tell this to a lot of people, and for children, they do take it personally. And still, adults, take it personally too, but it it becomes a choice. How much do I allow myself to feel harmed by what you just said? Or do I look at you and imagine to myself, why did you say what you just did? Because I am not what you just called me or what you just said. So I'm wondering where that's coming from. And I think we have to all kind of do that sometimes is just imagine where is it coming from? Why is it coming from? And let's Let's ask mm-hmm. questions. Kids are great at asking questions, right, Rachel? Why? Totally. Adults aren't. Why? Why yeah. aren't adults? Why? It, that simple question, why, can give you such great information. Why do you feel that way? Why did this happen? It's, it's, yeah. it's Taking that 
curiosity, totally. And, and being curious as an adult, like not seeing them as this throwaway person, but just being like, sweetheart, like that's, that's, I know that you're, I'll say to them, I'll, I'll hold this expectation higher than their head in my mind. And I'll be like, I know you're better than this. And I know that they want my, um, they want me to see them as a, as a good person because they like me. So I've already gained their trust. And then they, and I'll say to them too, and this is so effective too. I'm a substitute teacher. So I'll say, I'm going to check on you. I know you're way better than this, but I'm going to check on you. I don't know when I'll be back, maybe a month or two. And I'm going to check that this, this problem better be done. And that accountability too, they're like, and they've stopped it. They'll stop. And they, and they've stopped that kind of thing that they're going through. Also, I want to mention that um, The Body Keeps the Score, which is a book that I've been talking about to everybody I know now, because it is fabulous. Everybody should read that. But the part that I was reading about this kind of thing is, you know, when you have people that are very reactive, like you do something small and then they react in such a like, it's not aligned. The, the reaction is not aligned with like the experience. So they like blow up and they're just angry and they have that kind of a pattern of behavior. Kids have that too. And so they're called like oppositional or behavioral. And it's like, again, that, that labeling also kind of makes them, you know, in a way like a throwaway person, unfortunately. But the idea is, is that maybe they're going through something so horrible at home. Maybe they're not being listened to. Maybe they had other trauma with other friends and it's impacting their story about how they relate to kids. There's so many things. So it's like, like the, the ways that like how people react in real time, they're carrying all those experiences and stories from previous times. So getting really curious and being on their team, like also be on their team as a bully. So I'm the neutral person between the kid that was impacted and then the person that was making that bad choice. And sometimes it's like, there's so many things on both sides and they play both roles, but I'm the neutral person. I never look at the person and say, you are a bad person and this person's not. I get curious about the situation and I'm on their team, which is why we're all sitting around in a circle, you know, and I'm at their level. So just, just be on kids' teams, no matter what the behavior, no matter what the choice. And it doesn't mean you're a pushover. You hold that expectation of, I want you to be connected to humanity. Because actually, that's the best thing. When people get away from their humanity, they get lost. They make bad choices. They don't like themselves. They hate themselves. They don't want to live. Like We want people to be connected to their humanity. And when they're not, our job as adults is to like help support them to come back to themselves. And I really like that. That uh, speaks on so many levels. Uh, just about everyone in this in this life is is to be connected to your humanity. And, and and when you do lose your way for a number of different reasons, it does manifest itself in some poor behavior. I've dealt with a lot of criminals, and I remember dealing with this one biker. He was about two hundred and fifty pounds. He took up the whole chair. I was walking in to talk to him about a homicide. And one of the first things that I said to him was, hey, John, I'm here to treat you with dignity and respect. And mm -hmm. I would hope that you can do that in return for me. Let's oh. just chat. And the moment I said that, he looked at me and he his eyes teared up and he says, you're the first person to ever tell me that you're here to treat me with respect. And he fell apart. He ended up telling me exactly what I wanted to know. It is amazing what people carry with them. And if the bully goes untreated or unvalid well and again it's it's not a matter of validating his bulliness it's 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 finding out what what caused that bulliness to see if you can actually help that individual get through their circumstances right and that's like when you talk about that guy like my eyes well up because i think how many adults missed it for him you know yeah and i've and i've and i've worked with adults as well and and I, you know i i have said certain points in my career maybe i should be a cop or may, i'm not they would never work for me, but like, but I have these moments of de-escalating kids, you know, so they're about to throw, like I'm in between them throwing a punch and I know that I can de-escalate or things like that. But you know, how many, how many, how many adults really like, because that, that person had teachers, that person had a family before they got to you where they mm -hmm. had you know, done this horrible thing. So that those choices, like if, if those, and I can, I can, I actually am always interested in seeing like the kids that have those things and there's not those adults that are seeing them for their humanity. You know, we, we need to. We do. Not everybody is born bad. You know, and I talk about that in my TED talk, you have to get stuck with a particular label. You're bad. You can, you can change that label and other people can help you change that label. You spoke about labels earlier and yeah. how they impact the belief system that we all have. 
And for me, as a young boy who was being physically abused at home, I couldn't turn to my parents. I was being bullied at school because I was the one who acted out in class. And so I was bullied. And there's one kid in particular who knew how to fight and he knew how to fight well. And every, every schoolyard, I tried, I tried to make myself invisible, yet he always, like your experience, he always found me surrounded by his little cronies. And it was tough getting through that. And I did fall through the cracks because nobody did see it. But fortunately for me, I did two things. Number one, I enrolled at a karate class. Yeah. <laughs> that was number one. Yeah. And number two, and that helped my self-esteem. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I found something in the teacher that I didn't have at home. You yeah. know, some patience and some direction yeah. and accountability making yes. me accountable for my behavior. And wow. that's what I found at that karate club. The other thing was something that happened years later in grade seven, and, and that I've spoken about a lot. But I want to talk about what you're doing right now. But what would you give our listeners right now? What kind of advice to inspire them about this whole bullying stuff, how, how they can be responsible adults when it comes to the bullying environment? What can they do for their children? Uh, either online or at home? Yeah, I think I, I, I go back to what I said before is just be that dog with the cloth and don't give up. Be on their team, listen to them, believe them. Don't stop advocating for them. So, you know, Parker's mom was absolutely beside herself. And this was six weeks ago. When she came to me, she's like, I don't know what to do. I have been trying to advocate. I'm an adult, adult and I, nothing's happening. And now just by that, those actions of posting this and then being part of the community, everything has changed. Now they're doing anti-racism for the board. So like that is possible. And I, I want any adult action. Okay, adults, I'm going to speak to you right now and child, but like adults, particularly you, your um, continual journey for not giving up will pay off. It's the point, and you might need to take breaks. You might be like, this is so overwhelming. I need to cry about this or whatever, but, but keep going. Do not give up and keep looking for resources and things that will work because for you, Paul, like karate class changed your life. You know, for me, like art and, and different things like, so, so keep trying to find resources that click for yourself and your family and your child. Do not give up, like give yourself breaks, but like don't give up because the giving up basically then completely pushes the kid back into the gladiator room by itself, you right. know, by itself. And you don't want that. You don't. And, and then, and then the impact of that, you know, in this book, and I don't know if I said the name, it's called the body keeps the score. I can't pronounce the, um, the author's name because it's very long, but he talks a lot about connections to physical illness, like, you know, actually changing at a cellular level, uh, leading to mental health things, you know, all sorts of things, relationship, and many of those things I've experienced, right? So I knew this, which is why I'm so dedicated to this, because, you know, I've dealt with chronic health issues, um, I've struggled with mental health since this has happened. And I'm healing that in real time. And then also the things that I heal in myself, I'm able to also offer people that I'm coaching and clients that I'm working with. And people will say to me, you know, Rachel, like we've thought about therapy before and there's nothing wrong with therapy. I think it's amazing. I've definitely done my fair share of it and can continue to do it. And also because of my background in improv acting and working with like thousands and thousands of kids over the years and doing this conflict resolution, I'm able to kind of work with them in a way that is very, very much on their level. Like we're doing fun things where, and then we're accessing these skills. So yeah, just, just don't give up. That is my biggest thing. Don't give up. And if you are a child going through this, if your family doesn't believe you, if the teachers don't believe you, there is an avenue. So whether it be like online, whether it be like people care in the world, I care, you care, there are many caring people. And the point is you have to keep going, keep going, keep going until you find those people do not stop talking about it. And same with adults, don't stop talking about it. Because I think that when we are not listened to, we shut that part of ourselves down because we think no one's going to care, nothing's going to change. And we have to take that story and just throw it in the garbage to like, outside of this planet because people do care you just have to find them and once you find them everything changes like this child parker is healing in real time because he's part of our community now we've got his back his family's got his back online campaign has his back and now the school system is changing because of this which is amazing that's amazing get your story out there but if 
we are talking to the children right now who are looking for that adult. Make sure that you don't go online and pick any adult or make no. sure that you don't uh, pick someone that you don't know. Because yes. a lot of people will say that they understand your circumstances, but they will yes. not have your best interests in mind. Mm -hmm. So make sure that you do keep talking to trusted people, people yeah. that you know well, and the, and only then can you really know that you're going to be safer by disclosing. Agreed. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for the clarification, because that's very, very important. It really is. And I think for most of us, we, we understand that. But for children, sometimes yeah. they have to be reminded, hey, don't go to so-and-so or... And I hope that parents are not allowing their young children to go online unsupervised and, and without any of those safety things in yeah. line, because yes. I, we all know that a 10 or 12 year old or a younger person can be reached out by an adult who pretends yeah. to be a child and, and it could mm -hmm. get very, very uh, terrible. And we don't well, want say that. This, right. And I'd say this too, is that if you are a friend of somebody that's being bullied, right? So, or if you're the person that is being bullied or you're going through something that like, you know, people like feel things vicariously through other people. So you can also be that part in the change of like practicing, like what, what can we do? Talking to other friends, because really the way that these things change is when people like that one mother said, stop. And that was the only time that everybody stopped in the carpool. So it's like, you, you can be that adult, but you can also be that kid. And you can, maybe if you're too scared, you get like five kids in the brain. And you're like, look, you know, our friend is being bullied and we need to like come up and just say, no, you don't have to be angry and aggressive, but you have to be finding that grounded part in yourself. And it's scary. It's still scary for me to do these kinds of things, but when you practice it, you get stronger. Yeah, and you do. And if you're the child and you happen to see a child in your lunchroom and sitting alone, there's nothing wrong with inviting that child to your table or just sitting down and being with that with that kid. It's just fine. And it's something that we should all do. Reach out to those who are trying to hide from others. There's a reason they're trying to hide. And there's a reason they're trying to make themselves invisible. Maybe you can be the one to get through that invisibility cloak and to make a connection and to help that person. And if you are an adult and you touched on this, and I'm glad you did, Rachel, you've said it more than once. For the adults, when you see this stuff going on, step in. You're the adult. Be a responsible adult and say, enough is enough. That's not going to happen on my watch. It's not going to happen, period. And I think we all have to remind ourselves that it's okay. And what is it? that makes adults afraid. And I've been on the street where I've seen a conflict between two adults. Maybe it's a guy yelling at his girlfriend. I'm the first to go over there and to find out if everything's okay and to make sure that nothing is happening that shouldn't be happening. But so many adults will avoid the conflict and, and think that it's okay just to ignore it because if they don't do anything, they won't get called on the spot. And that's that's horrible we are in this together as humanity as one great big family so if you see another family member being abused as you said it is a form of mental abuse yes then it's your responsibility to stand in and do something about it yeah i think it's that feeling that i don't know what to do yeah and that goes back to all the adults i don't know what to do i'm uncomfortable I'm scared. What if they don't listen to me? And, and, and you have your own stories as an adult. You're still like adults are just big kids. So like you had the story of like, maybe no one listened to you. You know, uh, maybe I'll, I'll say this. Can I share one more story? Absolutely. You can. Okay. So there was, uh, I had taught, this was a couple of years ago, but I had taught and, and I'm writing all these, like I'm trying to take these stories in terms of storytelling and writing them to put them into this book, because that's really my goal is people read them and they're, they won't have exactly the same experience maybe, but they'll be inspired by these kind of just different ways of opening up to how can we deal with these things in a better way. So I was in my car, I'd finished uh, my day at school. I was teaching a particular class and the, every school is kind of, you know, a different configuration. So this particular school had uh, the parking lot and um, with a with a wire fence, and then it led onto the school grounds. It was quite a large school grounds, but it was like a playground and field. So I was facing the field, but there was I'm in my car. There's a, a fence between me, and I can see what's happening in the fence because it's kind of like that diamond shaped fence. So I was I was sitting on my phone. I had a business meeting, and uh, there was a girl in front of me. She was probably in grade eight, and she was dancing, and she had like a 
little speaker and she was really like, you know, my background also is in like expressive arts. So, so I was like, oh, that's so cute. She's like really trying to get this routine and like really committed and like, you know, really like doing a great job practicing. And she was alone. So, you know, I'm just on my business business call and just sitting there in the parking lot. And all of a sudden, it's like there should be like scary music playing as this happens. <laughs> it's like from like the the like outfield, I see this group of boys. All right. So we already know that like this could not this possibly wouldn't go well. So I already kind of like physically can feel in my body, like, you know, getting kind of like concerned about what's going to happen. And I'm also thinking I'm in my car. So if something is happening, couldn't get out and go around easily. And like, and also they don't know, because I'm a substitute teacher, they don't know, they might've seen me in school, but like, I've never taught these kids directly. So like I was, you know, teaching kindergarten that day. So I'm in my car, I'm watching the kids. And then I'm telling myself, okay, Rachel, just like watch what happens because maybe they're just coming over to like, you know, say something nice. It's possible. Just like stay open to the possibility. And they're getting closer and closer and closer. So the ringleader comes and gets really closer and starts like, you know, and I can hear because my car window now is open to make sure I'm like, you know, what's happening is okay. So they get right up in her face. Like, what are you doing? You're such a bad dancer. You're so stupid. This is ridiculous. And they just like totally intimidate her. And she's now noticing that I'm watching and she's looking at me helplessly. And I have this moment. Sometimes there's moments in life where it's like, for me, it's like slow motion. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like what? And I'm like thinking about, I can feel my wheels turning and I'm like, okay, I'm in the car. I'm a substitute teacher. They don't maybe know that I'm a teacher at this school. And um, there's also a fence in between. So not that like the physicality of it means that there's less, I, I feel like my power is like more diminished because I have this like thing in front of me. So I can't be more in their space and be like, Hey, what are you doing? So, but I'm watching them and they're escalating now. And she's like almost crying by this point. And I said, you know what? I don't care if there's a fence. All I need to do is basically do. <laughs> I often think about training animals um, that I, I, I need to like project my voice and get that internal like strength to be like, stop, I know what you're doing, right? And so I get out of my car and they're like surprised because they obviously didn't notice me because they're focused on their target. And I said, I know what you're doing, stop. And they're, and you know, they kind of like, you can see them kind of like stumbling back. And then the ringleader is like, what, what? I'm just like trying to help her like, you know, get her dance. I'm like, I know what you're doing, leave. And then I gave them like the teacher death stare of hell. All right. And they literally, it felt like they had their like tails between their legs and like scampered off. And she just looked at me and was like, thank you so much. You know, and, and this was through, I'm not their teacher. I'm not the adult in their life. I'm, I don't, I'm off the clock. I'm literally in a business meeting. I had to like pause my business meeting. I'm like, hold on, I'll call you back. And I got out of my car. I, and I knew that the only thing I had was my energy, my determination and my voice, but that worked. Yeah. And that does work. And, and you know what? We're never off the clock when we're helping other people, are we? Oh, we're always, you know, and if you, if, you, if you feel it instinctively, which you did, you know what was, you knew what was going to happen before it happened. And yeah. what I like about it is that, yeah, there was a barrier between you and her and them that for a moment prevented you from walking through that barrier, but you did walk through that barrier despite it by raising your voice and stopping. And as a police officer, a former police officer, it's that tactic of just putting a stop to something before it happens by using your voice. And sometimes it does have to be stop right there, as opposed to being a kind voice. It has yeah. to be very affirmative. Yeah. And I think that what you touched on too is really important. You talked about adults not knowing how to handle that conflict. What do I do? What if? And we what if ourselves you know, to the point where we take no action. Yeah. That, that's sad. If you see a conflict going on and you do absolutely nothing, yeah. then you're not being a responsible adult, number one. Number yeah. two, if you happen to be in an area with more adults, guess what? They'll back you up. The first one to say, whoa, let's stop this for a moment. We'll know that there's going to be backup. And if there's none, you're okay on your own. It's just a matter of keeping your distance, being safe, but taking some action. Wow. 
Rachel, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And I, before we go, I know you're doing all these great programs and I have your website. It's www.rachelweinstock.com. And that's R-A-C-H-E-L-W-E-I-N-S-T-O-C-K.com. And what else, uh, where else can people find you and how can people connect with you, especially people who want to maybe get you to help them with their bullied child or yeah yeah so we have i'll link it because we've had a couple of iterations of this but we have the preteen website so we're now in our fall club and i'll say this that there's no time limit of joining that preteen club so the club that i was talking about with parker things like that is the most loving welcoming healing space for all kids not just kids that are being bullied but just to build their self-esteem and allow them to express themselves. So I'll send, I, I, I'll send you that Paul, um, because the website has changed so many times. I can't remember yeah. it. Yeah. And then also the last place is, I mean, I have a Facebook group as well. It's Rachel Weinstock. And then we, I also have my Instagram, which is Rachel Weinstock. And then it's underscore. I'll give you all of that, but I'm very responsive. So people, you know, with this viral video, people have sent me messages from like all over the world. Like I will respond to you as long as I don't miss it. Like I will, and send me another message if you do, if I do miss it, but I will respond to you. I've sent voice notes. I've made connections all over, all over the world because I really care about you know, creating a better world. And I know we can. That's that's the point. It is. And I just want to applaud you for all the work that you're doing. You took your tough circumstances of being a victim way back when. You dealt with that and you did something about it. You said enough is enough. I can make a difference in this world. And that's what you've done. And Rachel, thank you for doing that for so many children and their parents, because bullying is just not an individual sport. It yeah. is, it involves a family, it involves a community, it involves everyone. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing is tremendously uh, appreciated. And I want to thank you, as I know a lot of people already have. Keep up the great work. And thank you very much for being on Inspire Us. Thank you for everything you're doing. And thank you for having me. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another insightful episode. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave your comments. For more information, check out our website at www.inspireus.ca. Remember, it's not what happens to us that matters most. It's how we respond to what happens to us that does. Stay strong and resilient.